Um, well, welcome to the latest edition of Ed Talks, my podcast. And I'm fairly sure that if you know who my guest is, you will not be watching this because of me. You'll be watching it because Absolutely of not. Him, him, which is uh, David Sanderman, who won't need any intro to anybody who knows anything about auctions because he is Mr. Auctions. Uh, and there's quite a lot to talk about with auctions because as we sit here at the moment, they're very much in the news. The property market is changing a little bit in terms of the, how can I put this, the, the ease with which you sell your house, which always tends to bring auctions more into play. And then, of course, we've got the uh, controversial, some might say, modern method of auction, which we can talk about a little bit. And David's very good at explaining for those of you who aren't aware of exactly what it is, exactly what it is. So, David, thanks for joining me. Pleasure. Um, Thank you. And the objective here really is to, as I said, no one needs any introduction really. Um, David runs the Essential Information Group, which is the go-to place for auction data. Is that a fair description yeah. of what EIG yeah. does? Often called the right move of the auction world. Yeah. But uh, that's one side of the business and we have other case for other sides we have as well. Okay, which are? Well, um, shall I start at the beginning how I ended up sitting next to you? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Back in the early 80s, I just qualified as a barrister and I decided um, I'd get involved. I got invited to join a little consortium developing a uh, property in Fulham, uh, which I took part in. Uh, then I set up with a, an old school chum of mine. And for from about 82 through to 1990, we bought and sold properties all, all over London. Um, we then had the crash happen in 1990. Every, all the banks wanted the money back. And I got sent some details of a property which had been to auction in uh, uh, Rosal Road, number 10, we, we met outside there once. And that being, this is now September, it went to auction and I wanted to find out what it sold for. So I went through this massive pile of catalogues we had, found the lot in the catalogue, it was an April lot, phoned the auctioneer up and said, could you tell me what this property sold for? Oh no, that's, uh, we don't keep results really. I said, well you, you tell me after the auction what it sold for, could you please, please find out? Lady called me back later and I said, um, it didn't sell. I said, what's reserved? So, yeah, that information is in Bidder's book, that's in the safe, and the auction is out for lunch, and then we'll back, be back till tomorrow. And I asked quite cross, and I said to my two colleagues, am I the only person who wants to know what things sold for at auction? And that day, we decided we'd buy three clipboards from WH Smith and go through every auction, write the results down, and then develop some fax software so we could broadcast the results out on the night of the sale. And there it started. A frustration about not being told what a reserve was. And that was when? 1990. Okay, for those of you who aren't old enough to remember, there was no internet around in 1990. No fax, really. No faxes, really. Um, and the only way you could get information was the dreaded premium phone lines, which you had to pay for to get information on. Even that was a bit rare, wasn't it? Yeah, that wasn't around then. We started, wasn't it? We introduced that into the industry. Did you? So we yeah. got you to blame for that. Yes, in indeed. Industry. Okay. Yeah. Luckily, it was relatively short-lived, because then the internet came along and saved us from sharks like this, obviously. <laughs> um, but, um, and obviously, the data that you've got not only goes back further than, I mean, does anybody else do the same sort no, of thing? No, we're, we're the sole source of um, auction information, and our records go back to 1990, 1991. And we've got about, uh, we've got details on about 900,000 lots which have been to auction, which is, uh, and we also set up a little 1982 valuation for capital gains tax purposes. So it's really handy for surveyors trying to put a value on thing, probate sales, et cetera, et cetera, trying to ascertain the value of something uh, you know, back in say '95, we are the really yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for all sorts of reasons, that's yeah. useful, obviously. Um, and I mean, the auction process and industry has always been something of a hidden is the wrong word, but it's a bit easier to shock. Yeah. yeah, and people don't understand that when you go into an auction and you buy a property and the hammer falls, you're you're exchanging contracts Absolutely. on the fall yeah. of the of the gavel, which is why perhaps in the existing market. 
or the, 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 the market we're perhaps going into, which may be described as being more mm. of a buyer's market than a seller's market, um, it's a way of getting some certainty. Yeah. And I think most people would have accepted. What sort of percentage, and I know I'm being a little bit historic and possibly being a little bit aggressive is the wrong word here, but what percentage would people normally expect to sell their property for at auction as opposed to private treaty? Gosh. If you were to just you use your experience, is it eighty percent, seventy percent, eighty-five percent? I think it's north of eighty-five percent. Really, there's, there's a real appetite for buying an auction, especially now. It's it's complete. You know, back in the day in in the nineties, you know, it was all dealers. There was no general public there. It was almost a sort of closed shop. You know, you weren't in with a donkey jacket on or yeah, yeah. Too. It wasn't for the public. Well, that's fine, but it's now become more. Now public. it's become public, and, and they are you know driving the prices up, and people get carried away. So, well, we've all been there, and, yeah. and obviously not for properties normally. For me, it's normally sitting by... I remember it used to be in the old days for me when I was buying toys for my kids. I go sometimes to these auctions and I'd always pay. I couldn't stop myself, so I can yeah. imagine the same thing happening. But, okay, so if it's becoming more mainstream, how come people, when they go into an auction and the, the hammer falls, how come they can exchange contracts on the spot... Whereas for anybody else going out and selling their property, it takes months to exchange contracts. The reason is that you've agreed to the terms and conditions of the auction, and in there it states that the highest bidder who has bid at or above reserve will be deemed to have exchanged contracts, and the auctioneer is authorised to sign the contract on behalf of both the buyer. And how seller. often does someone exchange? Does someone bid for something and the hammer falls and they go, "Oh Christ! I didn't realise I was actually buying it." It's very rare, really. Very rare. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was just dealing with an auctioneer who, who uh, a lady um, bought the property and then tried to say she didn't. Then she tried to say, well, I didn't agree to anything. And there is that at the time she ticked the button on, it's all audited. The, 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 uh, this was online, online, which of course has made a huge difference. Yeah, it's all, everything's audited for a millisecond. Yeah. IP address of where they click the button. Yeah, yeah. And that happens. I mean, I hear about sort of one or two a month and generally they roll over and say, yeah, it was me. Yeah. Break up. Okay, so it's very important that people understand that that's what happens. But I still, yes, they agree to sign the terms and conditions. But how come if this is a more generalised practice and you've got more, quote, normal people rather than developers or dealers mm -hmm. putting their properties into auction, how come they can exchange on the gavel, they, they, they on the fall of the gavel? Do they have, they must have data rooms. I mean, we'll yeah. come on to talk about that because yeah. I know you've been involved in something which is trying to move that into the private yeah. treaty market, which has been very slow to change. But... Is it, is it all about upfront info? And if it is, why the hell isn't that what well, the government's well, doing for normal? Exactly. That's Sunday. interesting you say that, because yes, virtually every property coming to auction will have a data room. Uh, we provide the data rooms for about 60% of the industry. He's moving his hands around by the lot, which is why the ah, thing's working. No, don't worry, no, no, I just don't no, want no, people no. to think there's anything funny. <laughs> hands on the side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, every property will have a, a, doc, a document room in which the vendor and the vendor solicitor will put the documents relevant to the sale. Um, but there's no such thing as a full legal pack because there's always more information you could put in there. So, for instance, um, I look at leasehold flats coming to auction. It's not often you would see three years detailed management service charges in there. So if you're going in as a buyer to an auction and you see the pack, your solicitor's got to look through that pack as the buyer. Yeah. The, solicitor's got, the buyer solicitor's got to look through that pack and apply for all this information. So that does potentially double, treble, quadruple, whatever yeah. the amount of work that the, 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 the seller's solicitor is doing, because they've got to sort of get all this information yeah. for all the interested parties. Indeed. And if you think uh, a property comes to auction, and it's generally going to be offered between 10 and 15 working days later, so there's very little time. If you're buying a house, 
uh, and your offer was accepted, you wouldn't have a solicitor in back within three weeks. In auctions, you've got to have a solicitor having said everything's okay. And I'd always say uh, the most important document in legal pack is often the one which isn't there and has been left out deliberately because it contains bad yeah, news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people say, I've checked the legal document, say, well, yes, but the documents I'm sure you haven't seen. You know, it's got new double glazing. Is there a venture certificate? Has it been signed off by building rigs? All these things that a convincing solicitor would check in private treaty, you've got to take a view on. Yes. And, and, and this is an interesting fact. We did some research looking, because we uh, managed the registration of bidders and buyers for a lot of the auctioneers offer, offering stock online, and we host the legal documents, and we ran a little query to show how many bidders were the highest bidder at or above reserve, either they bought the property and hadn't downloaded a single legal document. And one auction we looked at, 30% of the bidders were buying completely blind, not looking at legal document, a single one. I've coined the phrase, these people are treating the auction catalogue like the Argos catalogue. They think it's click and collect, and if they don't like it, they can take it back within two weeks. No, the exchange happens on the day, and they're just inviting trouble. Yes, yes, it does show slightly why this whole discussion about upfront info isn't yeah. quite as simple as it seems. And I'll just throw into the mix that one of the documents, you know, one document, I, and I look at a lot of them, is the special conditions of sale. Now, these are additional clauses which are form a part of the contract, and if there's a conflicting clause in the standard common auction conditions, we'll overwrite that. And the special conditions of sale are written by the vendor and his solicitor, and sometimes they have really onerous tasks. Like what? Give us an okay. example. Property, a plot of land, just pure green belt, wouldn't get permission to put a tent up on it. Sold at auction, it was in Wales, for £100 at auction. Somebody thought, oh, I've got a nice, you know, few hundred square feet. I dived in at the special conditions. There were lots of nasty ones, two key ones in there. One said the deposit will be the greater of £5,000 or 10% of the hammer price. So it's going to be the greater of £5,000 or £10. You don't have to be Einstein to work out which is the greater. And another clause said that the buyer will also pay, I think it was around £6,000 towards the vendor's marketing costs, legal costs, auctioneer's costs. So a plot of land that would, they could have bought for £100, private treaty, would actually end up, well, well whatever, would end up costing them £11,000. They, they thought they were buying for £100. Yeah. And guess what? That buyer hadn't looked at any of the legal yeah, documents. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, anybody thinking of buying, you must, must look at the legal document. And, and if a document's not there, you've got to ask why. And if it's not forthcoming, You've got to take view. But I think that's what possibly frightens people yeah, a little yeah, bit about, yeah, about, yeah. about the auction yeah. process. And certainly looking at your website, the EID website, is very informative because people can get a pretty clear idea from that of exactly what is involved. Indeed. And I, w I would really would advise people yeah. if they're punters looking to put stuff into auction to go to the EID website. Also, your partners are people who understand what they're yeah. doing as estate agents. But talking about partnering with auctions segues quite nicely into this controversial area, if I can put it like that, yeah. of the modern method of auction. Yeah, there's a lot of confusion as to what that actually means, and depending on which journalist you speak to, I get a different answer. The modern method of sale is a way in which it can accelerate the properties which are, are, are going slow in the private treaty sector. You know, they've got offers and then it falls out of bed. What the modern method of sale does, it focuses them brings the decision-making down to a time on a clock. You know, it's not, oh, well, I'll get my solicitor to look it up. We're thinking about it, I'll come back in two weeks and, and putting an offer and then walking away from it six weeks later. No, and a lot of estate agents are using this. It's a good revenue stream for them and it brings certainty to sales. So property's not slow on them, is slowly not getting any traction in the private treaty market. 
So, you know, the, the auction house, in conjunction with the state agent, say to the vendor, look, why don't we try putting it to auction? It can have a reserve, we'll set the reserve, it might be even the asking price you're looking for, a little bit off it. And people bid, and on the fall of the gavel, uh, generally it's a conditional sale, there is no exchange of contracts, but what the successful bidder is doing, he's entering into an option to exchange and complete on the purchase within 56 days, May, may and they're paying for that option. Yes, what they do, they pay generally a percentage of the hammer price, typically 4% plus VAT, so 5% of the hammer price, um, subject to a minimum. So if the property is sold for 100,000, that'd be 5,000 pounds. That money goes to the auctioneer and the agent. If you if you exchange complete within 56 days, great, you've got the house. If you don't, then you would lose the option. Although we see that quite a few people slide past that time and if the vendor's happy to sit in and the, and the purchaser is, then it may happen later than that. But my experience, which does go back a very long way, mm-hmm. is that a lot of people, when they're looking to buy properties, say they want to put a non-refundable deposit down, yeah. which is sort of the same thing. Yeah. But the two solicitors will spend as long arguing what constitutes a non or what the conditions are that will yes. break a non-refundable yeah. deposit term um, as they do exchanging contracts on the bloody yeah. thing. Yeah. So, what is it about the modern method of sale auction that means they'll happily right. pay this the 4%, money, six grand, whatever it is? The money paid doesn't go towards the purchase price of the property. Yeah. It goes to the auctioneer and the estate agent. But it goes to them whether it's sold or not. Absolutely, yeah. So, but that, if, if for instance, a buyer enters into a mm-hmm. contract, yep. a conditional contract on the fall of the gavel, so that, yep. in the modern method of sale stroke auction, um, and they then discover that there is a defect in the title, or there's a defect somewhere, which they, yeah. which they, which clearly means that which they wouldn't have known about up front. Yeah. Well, the, the most of them provide a legal pack, is subject to the caveat. We just you say most. About. Most that do. implies that some don't. Some, some don't, but most have a legal pack. And then, if there was a defect in the title, then I think the auctioneer gets involved. Then there's a bit of a horse trade, and okay, we'll leave it, we'll give it back. I, I'm told. Okay. That's sort of in- I mean, a bit of a horse trade yeah. is potentially a solicitor's dream. Yes. A bit of a horse trade means they'll be turning and throwing and yeah. they're charging 400 yeah. quid now or whatever. Generally, I mean, the reality is that when we look at the numbers, over 95% of them go through to an exchange and completion. Maybe not within the 56 days, that might drag out. But if both parties are willing to do it, um, then it will happen. Yeah. And, and, and because the buyer's got some skin in the game and the vendor wants to sell, they will you know, have a horse trade okay. subject. That's the thing which sort of puts pressure on. And interestingly, if the property doesn't sell, then there'll be a discussion, look, it didn't sell, but we had a genuine bidder who was just, you know, say 5% off. Why don't we run it again? We'll drop the reserve by 5, you know, 5% or whatever, whatever you're happy with, Mr. Vendor, and run it again. We know who is interested. And, and, uh, and so at least it's a finite process yeah, which you can yeah. run. So that's, that's one of the advantages. And it helps to price condition the vendor and manage his expectations because the market's spoken. It's not worth 110 you're looking for, but we did have a solid bidder at 100 yeah, yeah. So we can run it yeah, again yeah, and, and yeah. do the process again. So, if you were to look at what you do through the essential information group yeah. through EIG, what percentage of your, of, your, of the auctions that you provide are um, uh, in the room, online, unconditional exchange? Yeah. So the old-fashioned type yeah. of auction, but done online, and modern method of sale auction. Well, uh, how do they split themselves? I, I, do you I think? would say uh, modern method of sale. We're probably looking at about. Eight ten thousand lots a year and about twenty five thousand lots on the unconditional. Oh, okay, so yeah. it's certainly growing. I mean, it's growing, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's almost a third. Well, maybe a quarter of the. Yeah, it, it's very good revenue for um, uh, 
the auctioneer because the vendor's not going to pay a fee. Well, that's the bit I think that confuses yeah. people is that when this comes up, you can, and, and I think what was very clever with whoever developed this, mm. and I don't know who it was exactly, um, was very clever because the, the estate agent can turn around to the vendor and say, well, I'll tell you what, we'll do this place. It's not going to cost you a penny, mm. but it costs the buyer, which always, for me, is where the dichotomy is in yeah. this because I was always taught and trained as an agent yeah. that you very much were acting for your vendor mm. and you were paid by your vendor. Yeah. So if that suddenly switches over, but who knows what's going to happen down yes. the line. The fact is, if it's bringing some certainty to people, yeah. um, and I think it's likely to grow in this market, I think we yeah. feel that at the moment, and I don't think my own personal view is that things aren't possibly as bad as people think they are, um, even if only because I think that the reason that interest rates have gone up so much is that it's because the world economy is in a terrible place. Yeah, and the fact is, um, the interest rates are high because we want to bring inflation down. Yeah. And once inflation has come down, the world economy is still going to be... Mm not in a great state so I don't, I, I don't, I'm not necessarily sure things are going to stay as uncertain as they are now for long but anyway we shall see just a, a tiny point on that the because what the buyer is paying is a fee it doesn't go towards purchase price and but it is as it, it's it is considered part of the consideration so it does attract so for CGT or whatever it, oh, it does it, 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 it does it, yeah. attract CGT yeah. I mean um, stamp duty. Stamp yeah, duty. yeah okay. it does on, on the on the on the figure plus the VAT okay which implies at the end of the day if there is a gain on it which you're going to be charged CGT on it can set against that as well yeah, yeah, so it's all yeah, part of it yeah. okay same as buyers fees and all, yeah. all that sort of yeah. stuff if you're using a buying agent. Um, I'm well aware that a lot of people who listen to these, and there are a lot of you now, which is great, um, I am aware that it's mostly people listen to it while they're commuting or whatever, so we don't want to sort of drone on too no, long, no. a couple of old duffers droning on here. <laughs> um, I mentioned earlier that there is some work going on to try, and, and we all read about it, anyone in the property industry is constantly reading, and has been for years, about how upfront information is coming, yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be mandat- made mandatory, etc., etc., um, tell me a little bit about what, I know you're involved in a project that is trying to bring the data room technology that is used within the auction industry into the private treaty market. Talk a bit about that. Yeah, um, well, if I go back about 16, 17 years, if you wanted a legal pack, you would phone the auctioneer up, pay to, typically £25 for legal pack for lot one. He would then have a member of staff photocopy the legal pack, as they have it at that point in time, put it in an envelope and send it to you. Now, two minutes after posting it, another document came in. You wouldn't see it. You'd be told to check the legal doc document. Mind your walking you hands. Um, and that's how it worked. We got approached by an auction house. They looked over. Uh, could you set up document rooms for my our sale? So we came up with the idea of an auction passport, which is login credentials to get in to look at it. And at the height of it, we were providing document rooms for about. 75% of all the auctioneers. The benefit being that anybody can then get Absolutely. a login and go and have a look at what's Have a look. It. The auctioneer can see who's done that, so we know they're interested. If another document comes in, he can, uh, it will automatically notify the person who, who's looked at the, the documents originally. And there's a complete audit trail or anything. And, and since we've started, we've provided document rooms for over 200,000 lots. We've had, at the moment, it's had 1.2 million people have at some logged in to download one or more documents, huge number, and the number of documents which have been downloaded is approaching 30 million documents. So we've saved the planet, basically. Imagine all that being photocopied. Okay, so that's what happens at the moment. How is that going to, what have you, what are you doing? Tell, I'm okay, going yeah, you to tell yeah. the listeners well, what um, you're doing. Let me just use the car analogy. If you were going to, and I've done this, I did this the other day for my daughter, went to a car dealer uh, to look at a car, saw it advertised an auto trader, phoned up, went and had a look, took it for a test drive, obviously I was going to haggle on the price, but before I got into the haggling stage, the actually 
that the uh, dealer said, look, why don't you look at the documentation first? He presented it literally on the bonnet. I saw they had full service history, MOTs, had three of them, were up to date. He had the HBI check, so I knew it wasn't subject to finance. It was clear with the insurance bureau, so it hadn't been involved in a crash. Um, and it was a logbook was in place, serial numbers matched. So I knew this car was a genuine car. History, I saw all the history on it. it only took a few minutes, and we made, did a deal and bought a cheap now driving around a lovely automatic Corsa. Um, who would go and buy a car, an offer, before seeing all that? And yet in the estate agency world, we go and see a house, we love it, oh, it's worth seven, put an offer 700,000, and you're not gonna start seeing any of the documentation, the TA6, you know, which is a questionnaire the uh, homeowner has to fill in, until maybe six weeks down the line by the time. By which time you will be a, a grand of fees oh, in yeah, your yeah, lawyer yeah. already. And, yeah. and in the, I, I use a TA6, it will tell you, is the property on main strains or not? Because a lot of people don't want to buy a property that's got a cesspit. Um, have you had a row with your neighbour, which would end up in you know, police being called? Well, I wouldn't want to buy a property, but they're always slugging yeah, <laughs> yeah. out in front of yeah, yeah. And you're not going to be reading this until six weeks later when you've spent a lot of time, you've invested equity, you know, sweat equity in, in viewing and deciding how you're going to arrange the house. And then you get a call from your lawyer eight weeks after you agreed the um, memorandum of so, sale, says you do realise that they were in court because of a fight or that wall, what you thought was your drive is actually shared by two other people and did you know that your neighbour's got access to the back and all these sorts of things which could materially affect the sale. Now, yes, there'll be some documents which the average home buyer wouldn't understand, but it's all written in plain English. Google's a great translator. So at least if you could read the, the TA6, which questionnaire the um, vendor has to fill in, which forms a part. Well, that's fine. I, I, yeah. I get all of that. Yeah. And I'm not, I, but, but how is what you're doing right. so, making so, that more accessible? Yeah. So what we've done is we're providing estate agents free of charge with a document room where the moment they get the instruction, uh, they can start, they will have had office copy entries, they can pop that in um, and encourage the vendor to start uploading things like the Fenster certificate, gas safe certificates, um, service agreements, etc. The lawyer, the, the estate agent, I say, will put the office copy entries in. Um, the lawyer hopefully will buy some sales. We have, we have a, an arrangement whereby we will put local authority searches from day one into the um, pit vault. So that you can see. Uh, sorry, pitfall. What's sorry, the pitfall. But what we do is set up a document room, property information product, and we're calling it a pitfall. Oh, okay. This is where it's a, it's a, a virtual safe online, where or document store where parties, the vendor, solicitor, estate agent, and the vendor can upload relevant documents, so that when somebody comes to have a look at the house, they can say, "Well, before I make an offer, I just want to read through what I've got there." And, you know, layman can make quite a lot of sense of those documents. Now, the problem with that, as I see it, yep. is that estate agents often don't want to, that they want to get as many bids in as possible. Agreed. Um, and they've got used to the way the system is. Yeah. Um, so how is a pit vault going to, I mean, I, I'm assuming that you're going to say to me that it brings it closer to the auction process and that it gives more upfront info. Well, well, absolutely. Yes. Uh, yes. Some people like to hide bad news, but if the estate agent knows of something which is adverse or ought to have known given his level of experience, he's going to be negligent if it's not declared. Well, it's the law. Yeah, it's the law. Yeah. And, and the bottom line is, if it has got an issue, it's better it's dealt with before everybody's invested time, wasting the time, rather than getting a letter from the vendor buyer solicitor, 10 weeks into contract, um, there's, there's a defect on the title. Yes, I, 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 I personally happen to think that this is coming down the line anyway. Yeah, now, the government 
or yeah. whoever is going to take a long time to bring it in, but it will come in. So to me, there's an element of getting ahead of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one could then advertise that as saying, look, we are providing all of the upfront info yeah. here via this yeah. pitfall. Yeah. So I do think there's a, an, an awful lot to be said for that. So, okay. So, um, I mean, I think from my point of view, I've heard some really good stuff here. Um, I hope you guys have as well, because I think that the auction process is still a bit esoteric from a lot of people's understanding. A lot of old-fashioned estate agents are very um, antsy about the mm. modern method of sales through auction, and I think that's something which I, you've explained in a little and, bit more and detail, it is changing. It which is makes becoming more acceptable. Yeah, I think it is becoming more acceptable, and I think it's more likely with the way things are. So, um, yeah. Um, I mean, personally, I always enjoy my interactions with you because I think, like me, you've been around for an awful long time yeah, in the industry you. and you really know what you're talking about. Um, if you really don't get auctions or you want to know a bit more about all of the various methodologies, do go to the Essential Information Group's website. It is a fantastic resource for all this sort of stuff. And um, I went down some time ago to visit David at his office down in Reigate um, and he had a Laverda. He doesn't look like the kind of guy that would ride a Laverda Jota. But he had a Laverta Jota sitting outside his office, which means he's clearly got a very hairy chest and a hairier chest. Than <laughs> and I've added a high push or two that listed. Have you? Uh, yes. uh, that's, re that's real manly stuff. So I think on that manly <laughs> note, I think we'll end up, David. Um, I'd like to say thank you very much. Pleasure coming in, Ed. Come in. It's always and, um, great meeting you. Yeah, and we'll speak again soon. Thanks, Ed.